Hi guys, welcome to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and podcast with your host Stefan Neff. And I have got Evan Seppert with me. Evan is an astounding musician who has uh, been performing and thought he would have the fantastic gig and a great night out. And that night, unfortunately, did not end the way he thought or anticipated. And his story today is so important for a whole variety of reasons. So I'm I'm incredibly humbled and, and grateful that Evan, that you came on tonight's show. Thank you so much. So welcome to Thank you, you for Evan. having me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Evan, you had two months ago, you had a not so nice experience. Are you happy to share that a bit with us and, and sort of tell us how did the night start? Well, um, to kind of uh, go into what happened, I got to kind of tell you kind of what happened before to kind of like build onto that. So mm -hmm. um, last year, um, <laughs> last year, um, I had finally basically carved out my road to superstar, right? I've been chasing my dream of trying to get my music to a place where I can elevate the world for a very, very long time. You know, I went to Hollywood after high school and one bad decision ended me up homeless on the street. So I used that experience because I had to come back to my hometown, which is a small town. And um, I had to come back here because, of course, you know, I was homeless out literally on Hollywood Boulevard. But I used that experience to create a web series. And last year, I campaigned for the web series to be nominated for an Emmy. So I was able to uh, to actually get the show to be, um, to be uh, made with some amazing actors with no budget. You know, I threw uh, parties to try to get an Emmy nomination. And I did this so that I could relaunch my music career, you know? Beautiful. And, um, it did. Yeah, it really did. I mean, I was having amazing momentum. Every release that I was putting out this last year was bigger than the last. But then, of course, you know, the pandemic hit, right? Yeah. So everything kind of came to a standstill. But amazingly, I got a break. I got asked to headline the very first online Pride Parade celebration in America. Because um, back in April... At this point, COVID had canceled everything, you know? So they, so like, they were like, no, Pride has to be canceled. Pride is canceled. But um, a friend of mine wanted to make sure they went on and, and they asked me to be the headliner. So it was it, it was literally a dream come true. It was the biggest moment in my career. And that was on May 2nd, right? Uh -huh. So I headlined the show on May 2nd. The next day, I was supposed to do an after show. And I was out at the park rehearsing, getting ready for, for the show, right? And um, I had my back turned, and all of a sudden, I see a big dog start chasing my little dog, right? And I'm like, oh, fuck, this dog's going to kill my little dog. And then and in the corner of my eye, I see somebody coming up to me, and all of a sudden, bam, 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 hits me three good times in the face. And, like, of course, I get away from him, and then, like, I look at him, and then it's it's um, someone who I kind of recognize, and then, and then he tells me, he's like, you should have stayed your gay ass inside, he tells me. And... Um, the, the ironic thing is that literally the day before I was out with my mom, head to toe, you know, kind of dressed, you know, kind of like I am right now, you know, out, you know, flashy, you know, representing pride. And because of my involvement with wanting to make sure that pride got celebrated, I literally became a target. And um, the guy knocked out four of my front teeth and he shifted the rest to the side so bad that my dentist insisted 
that I remove all of them. So literally, you know, having the having the biggest day in my career, the next day, literally, my smile is taken away from me because of my choice to, you know, try to, you know what I mean? It was, it was really, you know, it was an awful experience. Um, I wouldn't wish it man. on anybody, you know, like. I'm I'm very sorry to hear that, and it just astounds me. I was, uh, we were just chatting a little bit before before we did the, before we started the show, and I was saying that I cannot believe it that in 2020 we have got still such beliefs and such actions deriving from such uh, such madness. Some, I, I'm, I'm struggling to right. find the words because it does not make any sense whatsoever in me. And I, I mean, we, we must talk a little bit about the, the history of, of anti-gay feelings and resentment. And when I say gay, please, with that, I, I, I in nowadays would like to, to include the whole LGBTQ plus uh, community. And, but when you go back historically, it was the gay bashing in the UK in the 80s, 70s. It was the, the, the 1968, uh, your riots uh, against the, the police brutality um, against gays that started it all off where the, your, your right system became far more aware. But I do understand that the United States, the FBI is actually now having uh, a clear definition of hate crimes uh, against uh, gays and against the, the, the LGBT community uh, mm -hmm. and is starting to count them. Now, I just looked these statistics up um, and they were, I wrote them down, I'll get it here. Um, the, the FBI statistic, the, late, the latest one I could find was 2011, so nearly 10 years ago. And there were actually 1,572 hate crimes in the United States. So 20% of all hate crimes were anti-LGBT. Uh, and I looked at that figure and I thought, no way in hell, no way in hell. Whatever right. is there, this might be the murders, this might be the, the, the really out there where no one else can actually say, okay, we can't brush that underneath the carpet. But you cannot tell me that in a country of 300 million people, that there are only 1,572 crimes in one year against the LGBT community. You're kidding. That's so true. That's so true. Somebody wanted to tell me that recently because I think I've been getting a lot of flack because of, of course, obviously, you know, um, I'm a very um, strategic person. You know, um, I run my own business doing, you know, um, something else on the side to, uh, you know, function my music career. So people have, uh, you know, accused me of lying about what has happened. And it's <laughs> like, you know what? Um, people don't know, you know, um, there's probably been times where people have been killed, but, you know, they didn't know that, um, that, that, um, that it was because of a hate crime because they weren't around to tell, you know what I mean? They weren't around to be around to actually, you know, be witness to that, you know what I mean? Like, who knows how often it still does happen. And um, one of the worst things about it is that when I called the cops, when I told them it was a gay bashing, like the way that they responded was totally, they changed the way that they responded to me. And I'm just like, I thought that, you know, if anything, that they would have more compassion, but if anything, they won't, they, they almost wanted to treat me like, you know, like, um, like I was more of a reason to be like, you know, to be wary that I was somebody who was unpredictable or something because of that. And I'm just like, you know, um, that was probably one of the worst parts. You know, it was just like, um, 
And then I'm sure you know what you know what happened with you know George Floyd and everything. And um, I believe that because of because of COVID, some of the police officers have been able to get away with a lot of bad behavior because no one's really watching it because of COVID because our minds are somewhere else. You know what I mean? And um, I and and I could feel that something was going to escalate with the cops. And Lord and behold, a couple of weeks later, the whole George Floyd thing happened. You know? For me, it's very hard to to accept. But then again, I live in New Zealand, where we have got a very different relationship to policemen. We don't see in general terms behaviors that has become so pronounced and such a such a uh, flaming reason for riots, as we have just seen. And it is it's therefore it's really, really hard. Uh, the guys that I know in the police force are normal guys, normal dudes. Uh, right, are, right. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's very hard to imagine that. And there is certainly, uh, here in New Zealand, we are lucky because there is, there is an awareness there that, that people are, uh, they, they are very careful not to be seen as uh, anti, uh, anti-gay or anti-color, anti-anything. Right. So it is, so we are lucky. You, however, what I hear from you is that, unfortunately, things have not so much changed for you. Is that an isolated well, incident, Evan? Well, do you think that this just that only applies to you and that that these cops were maybe anti-homosexual him, themselves and or had just a shit day and the way re- they responded to oh. you? Or from from colleagues, friends, etc., have you got the impression that it happens again and again? I think that one thing that, that, um, that, because when I got attacked, immediately what I did is, um, I, of course, for a second there, after I got attacked, I thought to myself, I was like, well, maybe I was outside being gay. I thought to myself, I was like, well, maybe, 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 um, maybe I deserved it, I thought. And then I was like, no, 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 fuck that. So then I went on my Facebook Live, right? And when, I'm, and when I went on my Facebook Live, I did it because I wanted there to be proof about what happened. And then, and then when the cops came, even, even when I was on the phone with 911, I, I told the 911 um, operator, I, I was like, I'm on my live feed. And then like, I'm like, I try to have the cops come inside my house. But as soon as I told them that there was a camera, that was another, um, sure. that's sure. when, you know, there was okay. just that, you know what I mean? And so it's, uh, I, yeah. it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it, Evan? I mean, bottom line is it's no professional wants to be filmed in an extremely stressful situation in which they go in without knowing what the hell is happening. So I think whilst the use of cell phones can be very, very advantageous to document and do basically journalism. We have to. Uh, we have on the to. Yeah, level. exactly. So this right, is very, very um, good. But at the same token, being on the receiving end of a professional, as a professional, so let's say for me as a doctor, if someone was to come in and says, look, help my dad, he is nearly dying. And by the way, I'm going to film you now. Well, actually, fuck off. Um, this is, uh, let me focus on what is important. So it is, It is. I can see both sides of the story. So I can see where the, 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 the uh, police uh, officer got his hackles up from the word go, the moment you, you said right. camera. So I, I can see that. 
Not necessarily that I condone it and agree with it, but I can see where the conflict might have arisen and therefore his behavior changed. So I'm not so sure that it was in relation maybe to your, uh, to, to you. I hope that it wasn't. I hope that it wasn't. Yeah. Because it's like, um, you know, um, but my whole thing is that I'm seeing that, you know, I know that, you know, nobody wants to be filmed. Nobody wants to, but the thing is, is that, you know, we have to be able to be the same, you know, have that integrity to be the same at all times, if possible. Because I know that you're in sobriety, right? Hmm. Right. So like with sobriety, you know, it's like one of the things that they teach us is, you know, when we're wrong, promptly admit it. So it's like, even if we are on camera, we go ahead and we can at least, you know, say, hey, I messed this up, but at least I'm willing to at least, you know, show you that mm -hmm. I have nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. Because that's what, you know, not having a camera does is that it leaves it up to hearsay. And, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, me against a bunch of officers, I wouldn't have a chance. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. No one would believe me. I'm just a punk kid, you know? It's interesting that you have got such a such a uh, a feeling that you have to protect yourself. That that speaks far more words <laughs> and volume than anything else. Okay, so we can right. we can talk about the technicalities of recording, yes or no, but the sheer fact that you feel that you can't trust the police that actually is is quite disturbing for me, and it's a shame to see and to sense in this interview. Right. That is that common, this perception? Out here, yes. Mm. It, it, it is very common to have another alternative because um, a couple of years ago, I actually was, um, a roommate had planted a gun on me, a water gun. And then like, um, and like the cops came and they asked me, they're like, can we search the place? And I was like, sure. My roommate put the gun there and then, um, and then um, you know, said that I'd attacked him. And, and then I went to jail for three days for something I didn't do. And it was all because I talked to the police. And after that, I realized that, you know, when it comes to the cops, everything you can't say will be used against you. Nothing can be used for you. So it's actually in my best interest to just be quiet in that sense. So because of that incident, yes, I have, I have a feeling about the police. Because, yeah, I spent three days in jail over a landlord dispute when, um, when this person lied about me. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't have a gun. I'm not violent. This person was trying to take my money is what happened. And, you know, just like in Hollywood, he was good at scamming. And, you know, that's exactly what happened to me. And, uh, yeah, three days in jail. You know what I mean? I'm not built for jail. That place traumatized me, you know? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, man. But I still have a good outlook. You know what I mean? I still have a very, very positive outlook, you know? Yeah. Um, I know that I may, having, I may be expressing a negative connotation, but I'm really taking this in stride because um, mm. I see the positive in this and that this has allowed me to have a lot of compassion for somebody who I feel is in a lot more pain than I am, which, which is my attacker, you know, because he must be in some type of self-hatred, some type of, you know what I mean? Because what would make somebody locked out to, to a complete stranger? You know what I mean? Um, from my experience, I know that being in the closet and having to hide who I am will make anybody lashed out. And, um, you know, hoping that he can, hoping that he can get better. You know what I mean? Because I realized that, you know, he must be in a lot of pain. I mean, that is, that is a beautiful thing that you have already only now two months down the line, that acceptance. Having been on the receiving end of violence myself, I can attest that by two months, I was nowhere close to where you are. 
May I apologize? What happened with you again? Hey? You said that uh, you were attacked at 13, you said? Yes, it was 13 when I was when a gang set upon me and out of the, the middle of, out of nowhere, they just poured a beer over me. Then when I stood up and said, why did you do that? Next thing I was lying on the ground and looked down and saw my teeth and on the on the path. Um, wow. So that was, and again, you could argue at 13, you don't have any emotional uh, insight. Are you sure. At 13, yeah. I was so emotional. At 13, I was very emotional. I can uh, imagine what you went through, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, absolutely, but equally, I know that, that resentment and anger was my companion for a very, very, very long time. How the hell do you manage to forgive this guy now? And maybe then, uh, may I ask a question? May I be devil's advocate? Sure. Are you still holding the mask in front of your face? Are you still, are you still trying to see the good thing in something in order to avoid dealing with the grief? Um, I think at this point, honestly, I wake up and I see nothing but the, the possibility of, of this being the reason that I'm going to break into the mainstream. Like I've been trying to do since I was a little kid, Yeah, you know, I'm just like, you know what, in my mind, I'm like, you know what, maybe this was God's divine intervention for this person to hit me in the mouth and for that to make it so that my story and my ability to continue has much more merit and much more, you know, um, just like, you know, purpose than just, you know, a kid who wanted to become famous. Now it's like, okay, now I'm somebody who has survived an attack. And, um, you know, and, and, and it's like the, the other alternative is to grieve something that, you know, um, that is, you know, of course, um, superficial anyway. And then, um, you know, I had a beautiful smile for many, many years, beautiful smile. And now, and now I don't. And now it's, it's just like, you know what, I appreciate it for what it was. Um, but now um, people have been trying to tell me that, you know, I should get dentures or whatever. And I'm like, you know what, no, I'm not going to get dentures. Um, not until my local press can do an actual story about me so, so I can raise money to actually get the implants. I'm not yeah. going to put in dentures to make people feel good about something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, no. E even if this reminds them of what happened to me, even today I did, um, I actually spoke about this issue to my um, local pride administrators. And like I told them, I was like, we need to have more representation in these communities out here because you guys are only in the communities where there's people with like a lot of money and like, you know, really, you know, privileged. But yeah. in the, like where I live right now, there's a lot of people who are very, very disenfranchised, very, very poor, and there's no representation. And in my opinion, that's why I got attacked because yeah. he has it, you know what I mean? Because there's nothing. So, um, and um, I've always been very, very strong and very, very, you know, forceful, you know, and like, doing what I wanted, but like this has like, got me to a whole nother level that like, I'm just like, I'm focused and like, you know, I can't see anything else but the goodness. And um, people have been really hard. You know, I can't even go on like a dating app right now without people telling me, oh, I'm glad you got your, um, I'm glad you got your teeth knocked in and you know, you deserved it. You know what I mean? Really? Um, like on, on, on all my dating apps. And to me, the way that I look at it is like, wow, I think that I'm probably becoming famous because you know, I'm sure that, you know, famous people, they get harassed, you know what I mean? So I'm just like, eventually it's going to get to a point where I can't be on dating apps anymore, you know? And and it's almost getting there because um the hate is just crazy, you know? People, you know, immediately want to throw it in my face. But um, with that said, there's still so much support for me, you know? People who can actually see past the, you know, so. 
Oh, Evan, that's, I mean, it is, I, I so wish it to you. <laughs> you actually remind me of an interview that I have seen from the uh, Munich Olympics, uh, I believe 1972, when the uh, PLO went into the Olympics and killed much of the Israeli team, many of the team. And at that time, another runner from a completely different country was interviewed. And he was interviewed and saying, you know, you've had this massacre here happening next door to you. How do you feel about that? And he looked the cameraman into the eyes and said, I came here to run. For the last eight years, I've done nothing else than working towards this moment in time. I'm very sorry for my Israeli colleagues, but I'm here to <laughs> run. And yes. this was, wow. Okay, but the man had, had worked towards that career, towards that run that was his life. Everything that mattered was this run for which he qualified to the Olympics. So you remind me quite a bit on that yeah. <laughs> because it is, it is that, that kind of, yes. I love that. Thank you, yes. Yes, you, you, you have obviously worked hard to get to where you are now. And I mean, what are the figures? One in 10,000 yeah. of, of young men do make it. In the in the music industry, so if you want to be a one in a hundred, one in a hundred million, you know what I mean? Like yeah, one in a hundred million at that yeah. level, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I like those odds, you know. Very <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, man. <laughs> I don't gamble though. I'll tell you that I don't gamble. But on me, you know, um, for me, it's like I was looking at like the like laws of karma, and you know, one of them is that you reap what you will sow, and eventually you will get it. You know what I mean? It doesn't always come when you want it to, and Lord knows. I've been going after this, you know, since I was a kid. I went to American Idol, you know what I mean? I got told no, stuck back in. You know, I've been, you know, trying to, you know, just, you know, do everything, you know, try to sleep my way to the top, you know what I mean? Try to, you know, find my way to the top. And like, you know, I've done everything. And now it's like, um, I think that I'm finally starting to see, because because I've done it so wrong for so long, I'm starting to see how the fuck to do it right, you know? And um, a lot of it stems from that belief in yourself, you know what I mean? And that manifesting it. And before... I would talk like, you know, negative guy, be like, oh, well, I probably won't make it. Or, you know, that probably won't happen to me. And Lord and behold, it never did, you know? But now it's like, I don't, I don't even let people around me who even talk, you know, those type of things because I'm like, no, you're going to speak that into existence. You talk good things about me and I'm talking good things about you and they will become, you know what I mean? Your words become your habits and, you know, and uh, to me, it's just like, it's just a matter of time, you know? And um, I don't say that with, you know, arrogance, but um, only with, um, you know, very, very, I'm, I'm very, very humble. You know what I mean? And, um, uh, that's why I wanted to come onto your show today so that I could, you know, show people that it is possible to be able to move forward despite how bad and how hopeless that one might think. Because, I mean, Jesus, you know, I had I had the biggest day of my career and literally the next day I am knocked down to the floor. You know what I mean? I would have my mom come help me. You know what I mean? And then, and then you know, having to deal with the dentist, you know, just, you know. And then, you know, even now, you know, having to explain to people what happened to me, you know, it's like. Every now and then, you know, I cringe and I'm like, I'm just like, I don't want to tell this person what happened to me, you know, but it's just like, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let that guy who attacked me take anything more from me. And um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be friends with resentment or anger. You know what I mean? I can't, you know, it just poisoned me. And, um, 
can't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know very much what you mean because I've carried that resentment for a very long time. And it is, oh, yeah. I didn't realize it. I actually had created a, a mental framework uh, around me being the survivor, me being the fighter, me being the, the guy who got really good in, in martial arts and becoming proud of what I had achieved there and proud of my situation and awareness that I would never ever again be the victim. So I created a very positive framework around that. Having said that, I did not do the work that you have already started doing. I did not deal with, the, with my resentment, with the anger underneath there. That was the main thing. And it took me literally up until the last year because I ended up, a friend of mine ended up with quite nasty PTSD. He was a special forces medic and ended, uh, really the wheels came off for him last year. And he saw a, a friend, a therapist of his, and a week later, he came back from having a week off, and he said, it's going to be all right. And I thought, bullshit, bullshit. The way you were, and you, you're going to be just all right, come on, you woke up every night at four, you were hypervigilant, you were, you know, revved up. And the moment I sort of thought that, I realized that I've just described myself. For a very long Ooh. time. <laughs> so, it's so amazing was the how that happens, right? Uh, oh, you hate it, don't you? <laughs> so I just want, you, oh, you know, like you know, someone else's problem, you know, and then it's like, oh fuck, that's me, right? That's exactly. So therefore, I, I stared so, the PTSD in the face for the first time. It's amazing, for what it was, and I sought to help. And luckily, luckily, with uh, with the help that I got, very quickly. I was actually getting on top of the, the shit that was going on in my head again and again. And it was mainly the resentment and the anger uh, that I constantly felt it, felt the need to be in control, the need to be to be there. Because like you, I was I was uh, I am driven and I was driven never to be again a victim, never to be in that situation. And doing whatever it takes. So, to a certain degree, we both are very the same. Uh, you with your music oh, yeah. and your career, me in my conviction that should anyone ever be again trying to attack me and take me on or, or attack my family, it wouldn't be a nice outcome for him. Um, so, yeah. and that was that is deeply, deeply ingrained. And I don't think I will ever be able to eradicate that. LP, <laughs> that music track that cannot be destroyed. However scratchy I go over it, that won't <laughs> work. But at right. least the negative emotions that came with it, I was able to sort out uh, with the help right. of some hypnosis and, and stuff like that. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And I'm so pleased that you are cut from a different cloth when it comes to your positivity and your 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 acceptance and your your um, you're writing a song i actually wrote a song too i was playing the guitar i was i was writing songs but mine was not so pretty <laughs> i don't think they, it was had much to do with forgiveness <laughs> it was more dark death metal kind of thing <laughs> so so bottom line is yeah i'm i'm i take my hat off i mean man this is uh, you're 
what you have gone through is one thing, but your true achievement is the way you are now handling it. I mean, this is. I just want to say something too because I know that your show really focuses on sobriety. Um, when I was six years old, my mom actually went into the um, into AA. You know what I mean? And um, from then on, um, I I grew up in the meetings. You know what I mean? So I grew up Ooh. with like you know the big book and stuff. So it's like uh, I feel like. Um, because of those principles and because of, you know, seeing like how resentments take you out and like how, you know, you know, people will stay, you know, in those, you know, sickness, you know what I mean? I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, um, I give credit to God and, you know, I give credit to that too. Why I'm able to, you know, be as strong as I am because it's not like, you know, something that's superficial because if it was, there's no way that I'd be able to, you know, even be here in front of you because, you know, superficial stuff is, you know, very, very fickle when it comes down to it, you know? So I just want to kind of give credit where, where it's due, you know? So, I really admire you for, you know, going, you know, and, you know, talking about your sobriety and really, you know, making it a topic of, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's very admirable. Oh, beautiful. Uh, beautiful. And that explains a bit. That explains a bit. You had this head start without maybe realizing that you had it. Uh, but, you know, if I look at my, uh, my sons, uh, they had a little bit of a head start because they saw the changes that I did in my life. So that's good on right. them. But you, you yeah. would have been... Uh, the next level and as far as the absorption of principles of emo of dealing with emotions is concerned um, your mum helped you when you when you had your your attack there how long has she been uh, sober now 26 years wow wow please give her a big hug from me and congratulations that's such an achievement such a, a wonderful wonderful achievement well done to her man very proud um that's beautiful that's absolutely beautiful evan where where do we go from here where do you go from here and with that i don't mean your career you're beautifully focused you're absolutely <laughs> focused and i wish you so all the best here i want you to be out there and want you to have the success that you're dreaming about and that more importantly, that you create as a vision and you're a man who takes the steps to make that vision come true. And you are chipping away on that until you have got, and right now you've got this big block of marble and you go to, until you have got your vision actually done, until you've yes. got it there. So I wish that to you, man. I wish that, that you. you get all that. But what I mean is, where are you going with your feelings? Where are you going with, I mean, you, you talked to, the, to your pride representative there. Um, where do you want to take that? Um, I really want to help raise awareness to the, like, to, to, to like kids and like, you know, to, to like, to, like teenagers and, and like kids in the, in the neighborhoods that aren't really that privileged. And, you know, actually show them, you know, an example of, you know, of what it is to be someone who has come from the same city that they've come from, but who also can, you know, uh, be themselves in any situation and, and, you know, show them that, you know, that that is possible. Because I remember when I was a kid living out here, I didn't believe that it was, you know what I mean? I was living a lot, a lot of lives. And it wasn't until I moved to Hollywood that I was able to actually really embrace who I was, you know? And um, I want to be able to, you know, share that freedom because, you know, freedom, you know, it's who wants to be trapped. You know what I mean? I want to release them. 
if I can, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it took me it took me the better part of fifty years uh to to figure out who I really was until I found my voice. You found your voice much earlier and someone now tries to stifle you. No way in hell. No way. Right. That's exactly the message that we need to to give out there. Each and every young person has got a voice, and we want to hear those, those voices. Some of those voices might be a little bit nutty, and unfortunately, some teenagers, <laughs> they sent their part of their brain on holiday, and it tends to come around 22, 23, <laughs> it comes back. That's cool. That's, right. you know, those things happen. Um, they happened with me. They happened with my wife. <laughs> they happen now with my sons. So it's just it's a repetition. Uh, that is what it is, yeah. but it's still there are voices out there, and I love it that that we empower those voices, that we let those voices speak, and that we bring the message out there. There's an old saying: "Your rights end at the tip of my nose," and I strongly, strongly believe in that. Uh, you can think whatever you want but you leave me alone. The moment you come a little bit closer than that, you're in trouble. And I think that's really, really clear. So if you are struggling to find your sexuality, or if you have found a sexuality that maybe is, is not typical in the setting where you live in your circumstances, and that could be that you are more outgoing in a very conservative country, let's say in an in Islamic country, etc., or it might be that, that, you're, that the gender uh, um, representation doesn't work for you, that you just have a different feeling. That is, that is you. That is you. And there are many, many other people like you out there. So therefore, don't think for a moment that you've done things wrong. Uh, you might choose your battles. There are some young people who are out there and who want to rub their current thinking into the face of absolutely everyone around them. And everything is now completely only about their sexuality. And it gets a bit boring. I don't give a toodle if you are green, red, blue. I don't give a toss. Be happy, find a partner, or do whatever your lifestyle makes you happy. I'm really pleased for you, but leave me alone. I've got, you know, I've got my own battles, I've got my own things. So I want to spread that message out there only because you are very concerned with the issues of LGBTQ+. That doesn't mean to say that that needs to be my battle. But at the same token, me as a, as a hopefully decent person, I will treat you with all the respect that you deserve. And that's, that's your right. It doesn't matter who you are. You have got the right to be treated with respect and with dignity. And it's not on that someone just because he feels a bit bad gives you a bashing. Oh, fuck off. No. So... I hope that that all the guys out there and the girls out there, or those who are in between, right. you guys listen up. You are you're wonderful. Okay, don't take crap. Um, live your life, live it to the fullest, and and uh, listen to people like Evan who is who is going out there mm -hmm. and is is forging his destiny. 
uh, <laughs> a few teeth here or there. Hey, what's that amongst friends? Kind of a thing. <laughs> right. Kind of attitude. It won't kill me, you know. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and if it was to set you on the path for for more um, people to listen to your music, that's cool. I mean, that's bloody cool. Um, now, of yep. course, your voice will have changed a little bit. Uh, your singing voice and your your vocalization of of, uh, of your words will change, but hopefully um, soon you can find some solution with which you then can train oh, yeah. your mouth and your tongue again to actually come out with the with the music that you want. And that might be a different style. It might be a different. It might change now with your with your with your new setting in there. Inevitably, mm -hmm. it is the case, but it is what it is. It can only I get better. Good news you for you. The feeling. Right. Oh no. Um. Actually, uh, just on Wednesday, I actually went to the studio and actually I was able to lay down the song, even with my little list or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um. And um. I just had someone else in there and just you know enunciating it for me. So. I was able to, you know, go past that too. So it's like, bring it on. Bring it on all the freaking challenges. You know what I mean? You know, got to hit me hard with something. You know what I mean? Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah. Don't give up, guys. I'm excited. <laughs> Evan, yeah. at the same to you, don't give up. You have got a voice there. And I want to hear that in the future. Oh, Evan. Thank you so much for giving me this chance too, you know. I really appreciate it because, um, you know, you you have given me this platform, you know, because um, we, with, without people like you, there's no chance that my story would, would, you know, would be told and there's no chance that I'd ever be able to get where I'm trying to go. So sincerely, thank you for that. It is an absolute pleasure. It was an honor to talk to you. Evan, look after yourself. Have a fantastic career. And no doubt they're going to see where you end up. God, it's, uh, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> Evan, thank you so much for being on my sure. show. Look after yourself. I wish you all the best for the future. Eh? Bye. Thank you so much. <laughs>